Brick and Mortar Reporter, episode 55. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we show you how to build your business brick by brick. Put on your hard hat and grab your tool belt because you are about to enter the construction zone. And now, here's your host, Christy Hostler. Hi there, localists. Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast. My name is Christy, and I'm your host. And today I am very excited because we have Dr. Pei Kang on the show. Now, Dr. Pei came to the United States from China when she was in her 20s to pursue her education. And once she completed her education, she eventually became an endodontist. And for those of you who might be wondering what that is, that's a root canal specialist. So, you know, she was the most popular type of dentist you could you could ever find, I'm sure. Sure. And she ran a successful business um, doing her dental practice for about 10 years and has kind of since in the past year or so transitioned to doing it part time. And now she is a full time uh, business executive and the co-host of a re- the Relaunch Show podcast, which is kind of how I know her. And Dr. Pei has a lot of different interests. Um, she's been a life coach. She's been a yoga instructor. She loves dogs. She's just an all-around great person. And she also has a passion for local business. And so she gets very excited talking about local business. And so she's here today to share her journey with us and all the lessons and the things that she's learned along the way. So, Dr. Pei, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, thank you for that introduction. I love it. It's- well, it's it was a, a, a kind of an abridged, ver- a very abridged version, the Cliff Notes version. And so I know you have a lot more about the story of you that you can share with us. So why don't you get us kicked off a little bit by um, telling us anything maybe personally or professionally that you think we would need to know about you? You to get to know you a little better. Yeah, um, the, I think what I can start it is uh, I came when I was 25 to the United States, and it, it just like any youngster or um, maybe young at heart, even nowadays, <laughs> searching for okay, so what's my place here in the world, mm-hmm. and what 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 am I gonna do? Um, I still ask that question sometimes, but, you know, with a mm-hmm. lot of wisdom behind me nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much different perspective now. Absolutely. And my goal at the time really to stay on the path of where I started from, which was a dentistry that was my education back home. And the big goal is to really just to have a footing in a brand new place where I had a new nobody and uh, hardly speak the language. So that was the goal back then. Now, um, I think after owning this very successful business, I I realized there's just, um, I, I belong to a group of people who always like to grow. Yeah. like challenges. Mm-hmm. So doing dentistry has been an awesome stage of my life, and I still um, want to be part of it. But um, my big heart now is to grow in business development and personal development. But what's interesting, um, my 
you, you know, when I was owning this local business in a fairly big city uh, called Arlington, between is is situated between Dallas and Fort Worth. Right.、Uh-huh. And what I loved the most was I had known come、uh, to know so many local business owners that's been doing so well despite、mm-hmm. the economy. And、yeah. I asked them, you know, what they do and、um, and how they、uh, become successful. I, I was that's another reason I love your show because I was like years back I wanted to start a show like this. Ah, <laughs>、uh, yeah. Well, you see, you know, when you're out and about in the local community and you really kind of have a heart for. What's going on in your community? You know, you realize that the local businesses play such a great role, and even you know those local business owners are the ones that、um, you know they contribute to the charities and they really help support the communities. And so you realize it's a it's larger than just a business. You know, so I love that. Yes, definitely. Well, tell us a little bit about your dental practice. Now, it was like you said, it was in Arlington, and did did you start it or did you、um, acquire it? How did how did you get started in that?、Okay. You got out of dental school and went full force. Okay, actually, I I started being associate at first for just a short period of time, and、um, of of course, it's the natural path, and people expect you to as well. Um, after you work for somebody else for、uh, just a little bit time, you paid off a little bit loan, right? And yeah, <laughs> acquire your own.、Uh, at the time, I wasn't really actively searching, but a broker uh, found uh, we became friends back even before I started working. Mm-hmm. And but we didn't talk for a couple of years, and all of a sudden he just gave me a phone call, said, "Hey." There's this、um, opportunity came up. I, I think you're a good fit, and there was a lot of fear. I mean, putting down、yeah. uh, the amount of money that's not quite, but close to half a million dollars was、wow. yeah to to、uh, step into this office where the previous owner actually、uh, he's 65, he's、um, a Caucasian. And ex-military,、mm. and it, it's a cult. I felt like I'm gonna be in a culture where it's it's not me. You know, <laughs> I can imagine it's the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm <laughs> a female, young.、Um, you know, have a, at the time I had a heavier accent than I do now.、Um, didn't know. Anything about Arlington? Because I was in Dallas. I, my、mm. the culture, although it's only you know twenty thirty miles away, is different. Arlington's very.、Um, I, I fell in love with that city、uh, within months.、Um, compared to large city like Dallas,、uh, it it just has this. People have this local,、uh, the heart for local、mm. uh, business. They. They try to support each other, and people, you know, pay their bills. They、um, very genuine. I、mm-hmm. I absolutely love that.、Uh, so once I, yeah. So to answer your question, question. Sorry, I start to go off. A, no, that's okay. <laughs> it's part of the story, though. <laughs> yeah. So I did acquire the business, and so. 
Whenever you got there, um, were, were you the only dentist practicing in that that practice at, whenever you took it over? Yes. Okay, so you had you walked into essentially someone retiring or getting out of the practice, turning it over to you, and you were left with a staff. Is that right? Yes. Essentially. Yes. Okay. So how did you transition leadership, or what did you do? Because I know that's a position a lot of people are in when they have um, bought a business and they're going in. And like you say, it is scary. It's it's hard to know, number one, how you're going to be received because you, you're right, you were so different than the previous person. At the same time, you know, you don't want to be the person to take the business down a road that is not going to be profitable and you want to set it up to win. So what were some of the most important things you did right off the bat to kind of put your uh, touch on it, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Um, you asked a great question. And, and honestly, you're actually the first person who asked these questions um, to me. And oh, good. I actually have the heart to share these two tips, not only to business owners, but to a lot of dentists, because oh, good. I do see problems during transition. Sure. And yeah, it's a volatile time. It's a scary time for the businesses. Yeah. And to the staff, too. Yeah. Um, so honestly, back then, I actually, did, without knowing it, without actually getting any counsel, without reading any books, oh. I actually did do quite a few right things that now <laughs> looking back, I was like, yes. <laughs> Finally, now that you know you did it by the book, right? Yeah. It, it just happened accidentally or naturally for you. It was more of an instinct that mm -hmm. I didn't think um, it, it was knowledge, but I really, I was proud of what I did. Sure. Um, so in the beginning, I noticed that, first of all, the building, uh, the furnishing, the equipments were really old. Okay. Um, so, and, you know, this is specific to dentistry. I'm, I'm not going to bore your audience, but for one example, I'm so used to pulling my equipment from your right hand behind me. And, uh -huh. and then for, so for a year, I was pulling equipment from, in front of me and it strains my arm. And oh. I didn't have a chair that is comfortable like where I used to have. Uh huh. Um, but I think one thing I did is I didn't immediately want to invest even more money. Sure, yeah, you've already spent the money to buy the business. You don't want to spend that much more upgrading everything because you're not talking about cheap right. equipment or cheap cheap uh, furnishings or anything like that. Right. Of course, you know, I have to balance it. I have to, you know, take care of my body. But it wasn't a huge deal to me. So what i what I done is, uh, contrary to a lot of um, people taking over business, especially in dentistry, these days, because it, unfortunately, I, I say this as, to me, it's not the best thing. Banks really willing to give a loan to doctors. Mm, yeah. So it, it becomes easy to acquire money and then they want to, okay, all of a sudden I'm going to change everything new. Every yeah. So, it, you know, it becomes more of a financial burden 
to all of a sudden, you know, right or wrong, in your heart, you're going to feel like, okay, when is the next customer coming? Is this customer right. going to buy from me? I, sure. I didn't want to put already uh, pressure on me. So uh, I think that's one of the things I did right, despite the, the looks and mm-hmm. the, uh, functionality of the office. I felt like the hardware to is not that important to replace at the time. Gotcha. Uh, it's what's more important is my financial peace and sanity. And yeah, yeah. So that you know that's a, a good lesson. I know um, I have heard it several times from business owners that I've talked to is that don't overextend yourself, especially in the beginning. And I think even there might be even more pressure to do that when you buy a business that kind of already has somebody else's, you know, mark on it. And you you almost feel like you say the pressure to change everything, redo everything and make it your own so that you can say, this is my business now and, and establish yourself and make it different than it used to be. And that's a pressure that people feel. And so your advice to them is hold off, <laughs> build the business first before you do all the upgrades. Right. I think uh, focus on what's most important. I mean, this depends on, I think, uh, if you acquire a, a already successful business or you actually taking over something you have to step in and fix. So uh, I'm not um, I'm not saying this is the general rule, but for example, if I step into a struggling business right now, then there will be, I, I still possibly won't look at it hardware. The, it's more the software that's the problem, meaning the team right and the business system right so if you if you focus on fixing like if you were buying a business that was struggling or you know kind of a distress type situation you would look at changing the things that might be the root some of the root cause of that um in order to kind of turn the business around absolutely right? but but not get overboard with uh the aesthetics and things that aren't going to necessarily add to the bottom line or the customer experience or anything like that right so gotcha. to to me a big success was um stabilizing my team at the time mm. um they were they were scared um, yeah. especially the office manager, she was, um, she said she, she will retire for, you know, in another maybe couple of years, but she wasn't ready. And she was mm-hmm. afraid that I will come in and just bring in a brand new person. Right. And I realized her heart to serve and her knowledge. And this is a big one connection. Ah. Uh. And I, I was like, you know, it, I'm not going to change in the beginning. There, there's even the way she talks to other people. I, I spent more time observing what's working than trying to just think, Hey, I, I'm the brilliant new, um, doctor here that knows so much more than your, um, retired doctor, no. I, yeah. I spend more time listening to see what's been working. And so let me ask you this. Of the 
how many staff stayed? Well, like, what did you have a lot of turnover whenever you made the transition, or did you end up keeping most of the staff? How did that work out for you? Uh, there were three staff. It's a okay. small office. I kept uh-huh. everybody for uh, years. Okay, mm-hmm. so they all made it through the transition. So uh, that I think that's probably unusual, you know, from what I've heard of uh, other business acquisitions. But you know what? Like you say, I mean, you as a business owner, it really is in your best interest to keep some of those key people around, um, especially in a situation where that's who the customers are familiar with. And, and so it's not like they're suddenly going to the same dental office, but it's dealing with a whole different animal with the office. Right, right. I, I did uh, interview each um, staff. Okay, and so you kind of made them, made them re, I don't want to say reapply for their job, but you talked to each of them to make sure they were suitable for what they were doing. Right, right, definitely. And Good idea. It's, um, I, I definitely at the time had lots of choices to... Um, Bring because the the older uh, gentleman who owned the office he actually because of the success he built up in the office he he was paying the staff quite well and I was it was quite scary at first to to think okay so that because that's not the salary uh, I uh, know about um, uh. from my previous experience. Sure. But, um, you know, I, I kept them and it turned out to be an extremely profitable uh, experience for me. What a good what a good lesson to learn, because, you know, in some ways, that's the secret to a lot of businesses that we're seeing right now, just in the business world in general. Um, I know I read an article the other day. I think it was in the Business Insider, and it was an interview with the um, CEO of the container store, you know, the retail store. And the article was about how he paid – the average salary of a retail uh, – the container store retail employee was $50,000 a year, which is unheard of for a retail establishment, you know, when you're talking about so many of these uh, stores and, and fast food and those kind of entry-level positions are getting bombarded by the media for being below minimum wage or, you know, having the, the working poor um, employed. And his philosophy was that if you pay people well, you reduce turnover in such a way and you have a more productive employee that it actually, instead of hiring three people to eventually fill one position, you can fill one hire one person and pay them twice as much and still end up with a third of, you know, a gain on that. And so it was interesting to see the focus on how pay can affect loyalty and the quality of your employees. So, I, But I can imagine that would have been scary to come in and be like, oh, these people are all above the averages of what these jobs are, you know, going for out there and to have to maintain that in order to keep them. Because you can't cut, you know, you can't cut people or they you end up cutting them loose, you know, so... I can imagine that would have been a scary thing to have those payroll, you know, payroll to be met every single week or every two weeks and knowing that it's a big chunk. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, let me ask you this, because I, I've always wondered about this, and I don't really even know how I would handle it if I were um, to buy a business that was already kind of established. Um, and it, I think even more so with a dental practice, it's the identity goes with the dentist. You know, it's it's such and such, so-and-so is the doctor there, and that's their dental practice. So to have somebody else come in and take over that practice um, – 
how did you uh, kind of make your presence known in the community or through the other business organizations? Was there any kind of a um, transition period where, you know, that dentist kind of helped you work out some of those connections and introduced you? Or did you just have to go it alone? And what did you do to navigate that? Well, uh, I think that goes back to what I mentioned. I, I absolutely love the local people. And when I took over, he, uh, let's see, I kind of made my presence known to the office, but not to the community uh, two months prior. So the staff kind of knew we got to know each other. And when I took over in December, he, uh, the previous doctor, let's see, I think he retired uh, a month or so afterwards. And that's, Okay. Actually, um, for me, that wasn't my comfort zone. I wanted him okay. to stick around longer. <laughs> um, so during that first month, I had him working for me um, where most of the lunchtime I went out to meet each doctor's individually. Mm. Um, I. I, my comfort zone again was for him to introduce me personally. Right. Yeah. But looking back, it was actually good that I didn't because although scary, it was a one-on-one connection time where, um, I, I just shared what, um, you know, my practice philosophy. I asked some questions and, Honestly, I, looking back, I, let's see, he had about 50, 60 regular referrals. Because um, mm-hmm. doing root canal, I don't normally see patients. They, they don't call us. I gotcha. It's, they get referred through their general practitioner. Is that essentially right. what happens? So I my see. customers are patients, um, doctors, um, both. And so I uh, basically made personal introduction to each uh, doctor and I m- uh, maintained just, I think there were maybe one or two didn't continue with me. Everybody else stayed. Wow. And Interesting. I, th- I think it's a matter of, uh, of pay attention to the connection that mm-hmm. to me uh, has been paid off um, really take care of the staff take care of the patients and take care of the doctors wow. so it's it's I, you know I don't call my staff their uh, my customers but serving connecting mm-hmm. continue to um, um, make sure the um, the environment when patient come in is very friendly yes. in every level and mm-hmm. patients when they walk away they they yeah they compliment uh, on the work but they also talk they they say you know i can just tell everybody like each other here good you know yeah. it's interesting okay. mm-hmm. they they can sense they are in a peaceful friendly environment Right. Mm-hmm. Everyone working toward the same goal and 
caring about the customers, you know, right. I mean, people that's, that's palpable. And I, I think, I think in some ways it's, you know, because we've gotten so far away from true customer service and true customer focus that for those, whenever people do see that it's, it's so much more noticeable because it's so scarce these days. Mm-hmm. So I, I know exactly what you mean. Cause I've been in those places before and you're like, Oh my gosh, they, that seems like a great place to work. You know? So now, let me ask you this, because you took over the business going from from being, I mean, it's one thing to be a dentist, which there's there's plenty involved in that and years of education behind you with that. Um, but then to also take on the additional role of business owner, because that's something that they, I mean, I, I know you probably get a little bit of that in dental school, but did you hire a business coach or get a mentor or anything that that you did to try to help you get your foothold in that business role, the business owner role? Uh, that's a good question. As a matter of fact, I do know a lot of consulting firms, especially mm-hmm. for dental businesses. And what you shared is absolutely true. Um, is I don't know the, the statistics, but it's um, what I hear is, Dentists, number one, are not the best um, business owners mm-hmm. or managers. Two, mm-hmm. um, is they are not necessarily the best at keeping their money. They like to spend. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, crazy dentists like to be flashy, huh? <laughs> well, it, it, it's that, and I think uh, I have co- uh, come to know so many. Dentists, they like gadgets. Um, yes, yes. And they being sold to so much, yes. too, because they, they get targeted. <laughs> well, and, you know, technology advances mm-hmm. so fast right now. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, I mean, I hate to say it, but you do get into a keeping up with the rest of the world situation. You know, I know, I mean, if you see, and I know in, I recently relocated, but in my old town where I used to live, you know, it's like the dentist that had the new, beautiful, brand new buildings that looked like um, Gort, you know, they didn't look like the, the office block buildings from the 1960s, you know, that were where you would go in and there's the double glass doors and all that, but you go in and it feels like you're in a home or in a living room and there's TVs and there's comfortable furniture and, you know, you walk in and you lay in the chair and you have the TV right over top of you. I mean, it, you do get in this, uh, keeping up with the latest trends in, you know, how patients are handled. And it's hard to do that when you don't have all those latest comforts, you know, and Mm -hmm. and things that people expect. And so, you know, but what you say is a valid point that, you know, you you came into a business that kind of might have been outdated in some of those latest technologies, but it didn't compromise. It didn't affect your ability to practice. And so you focused on the practice rather than the extra things. Well, let me just tell you one thing. Um, in the beginning, this uh, couch, there was this couch in the waiting room. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, it, it's a couch that people couldn't get out of very easily. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was just looking at this. I said, honestly, this did not matter. He made so much money, has such a good reputation, 
that piece of furniture, all these years being here, did not matter, did not turn his people away. So, well, yeah, yeah, really, in this modern day and age, I appreciate you getting excited about your business. I I appreciate the importance of looks, but um, really, think long and hard what really make a business soar. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I completely uh, agree with that, and I know that. You know, it's it's hard. It, it, that is a tough transition for people to make to realize that, you know, honestly, a couch that I mean, the couch probably gained its own notoriety just because <laughs> you know what I mean. People walk in and be like, oh, don't sit there. You know what happened last time, Mom? You couldn't get out. You know, and and that kind of thing. And and so people, but at the same time, people associate that with that office. And so you don't necessarily. I mean, if you changed it, people probably would ask you what happened to the old sofa or the old couch and and you know where did it go because you know that was you always knew it was there it'd been there for 30 years or something you know so people get nostalgic about stuff like that when you start changing it too so it's uh, um, interesting yeah definitely I I think I forgot to answer one of your questions I sure I didn't hire any uh, consulting dental consulting firm but I know a lot of dentists did Mm -hmm. yeah so at this point, we're about halfway through the interview I did with Dr. Pei Kang. Um, this is episode one, and tomorrow we'll have the final episode two of her interview where she talks about um, how she got her dental practice ready to sell, when she knew it was time, and what she's doing now because she's transitioned to doing some other things, and it's a very interesting journey. So join us tomorrow where we'll finish the final part of the interview with Dr. Pei Kang. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reporter Podcast, where we build business.